Welcome to the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast brought to you by Proudmouth. I'm your host, Matt Halloran. Being your own loud is not new to marketing, but the mindset, strategies, and resources to help you get there are evolving faster than this industry is keeping up. It is time to find a new perspective on what works why and how to move your business forward. Listen as I interview guests to help you learn from them how to be your own loud. Let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to another Top Advisor Marketing Podcast. Now, all of you know that we are a Canadian company, that I, as a person in the States, own a Canadian company with my partner, Kirk Lowe. Uh, he lives in Oshawa, Ontario. And as a Canadian company, we're always looking at ways to try to find a way to kind of get into the Canadian market uh, because there's huge amounts of financial professionals there who desperately, desperately need our help. And so I met this crazy guy who actually helps provide education for all of these Canadian financial services professionals. And I wanted to just bring him on the show. I want to talk about a couple of major things today. So the first thing I want to talk about is what continuing education really should mean philosophically, because John is a real expert when it comes to this. Number two, what are the issues in continuing education across the entire continent of North America? And finally, what advisors should really be focusing on from an education perspective? So John Waldron is our guest today. Uh, he's the founder, CEO, everything with Learnedly, and he is a good friend of us, all of us here at Proudmouth. John, welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Matt. It's uh, it's really great to be here. Actually, this is uh, it's fantastic to be a part of these conversations that you're having. Uh, it's wonderful. So thanks for having me. All right. Let's talk a little bit about your history. How did you get to do what you're doing now? And, and what does the landscape look like? Yeah. Yeah. So the, the short of it is I kind of discovered financial services. I was an advisor uh, years ago, and it all started really by discovering a passion for financial literacy and financial education. I was actually traveling in my my van across Canada after I finished a degree in psychology and had no idea what I wanted to do. Living in my van, tour guide, not making a lot of money, I started to read a lot about how to make money and how to manage money. And that's really what opened my eyes to financial services and what ultimately got me into the industry. But the passion really was around the education side of it. It was uh, the, the empowering side. And so I went from being an advisor in the industry to then focusing on advisor education and uh, wor working for the major course providers in the space, and then ultimately decided to strike out on my own and create our own offering. I think there's a lot of advisors who are listening right now who think the thing I love most about being an advisor is the educational component. Do you still have that passion for that level of education? Because you're like knee deep in all sorts of crazy bureaucracy and stuff now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it has taken me into a path I did not uh, expect to go into. But, you know, I think some big challenges uh, are fun to tackle in in uh, in some respects. You know, the thing, Matt, about education is that it is it's empowering. If you've taken a first aid course, uh, you know, I, I took one when I was 12 years old and I didn't wish harm on anyone. But I, I walked out of there thinking, like, if something happened to someone, I'm at the ready to help. And, you know, I found that over my career in financial services, it's a lot similar. You know, you, you learn some new things, you learn some new tactics, you learn some new strategies that help clients. And suddenly you feel quite empowered to want to find those clients and help those clients with those, with those problems, help solve those. And that's, 
that I think is the essence of education in general, but proficiency or continuing education, that's really the thing that you want to pull out. That's the thing that we try to pull out. And that's the best part of continuing education. The worst part about continuing education is all the administrative stuff and all the, the regulatory burden that goes around it. And that's largely what we try to solve for. In addition to making content, we're also trying to be mindful of all the hassle that goes with it. The having to count up and submit your certificates, having to determine if something is accredited or, or not, having to go to one place or another or another and constantly looking for things. I mean, th these are all the worst aspects of education, and it really, really puts a barrier towards getting to that place of, of empowerment. And those, I think, are the issues that north of the border, south of the border, we're, we're facing with and we're dealing with. Well, so we have uh, seven rocket boosters of influence, and the second rocket booster is expertise. And this is where you solidly fit in our influence continuum. Because it is so important for advisors to have continuing education. They have to sharpen their saw, right? And it can't always just be the ethics course that everybody has to take so that you don't sell people stuff they don't need. And you say all of those things and you basically half pay attention. Let's talk about what they're paying attention to. You have a huge amount of courses that you not only know about, but that you've created and managed. What are you seeing that advisors are really dialing into and finding the greatest value to continue to make them better advisors. Yeah. I mean, I think what we're seeing right now, Matt, is certainly there there are rule changes, rules and regulations. And, and so there's a bit of a top-down and bottom-up demand for that. Of course, your dealer firm, your compliance officers are talking about things like client focus reforms in Canada is a, is a big thing. Those are big new regulations over the last couple of years that have come into play. So making sure to know and understand those, making sure that you're Kind of following along with that but it's also a demand from the bottom up advisors wanting to make sure that they understand what those rules and regulations and what that landscape is another big thing is vulnerable clients protecting vulnerable clients and on the surface of it it sounds like it's pretty straightforward do the right thing protect clients whether they're vulnerable or not but i think when you get down into the more details you start to learn about different ways in which you can protect them or understanding the different issues or or the the perpetrators let's say of vulnerable clients and so i think that those are some some of the bigger issues maybe broadly speaking there's also a, a real interest and fascination about fraud. And of course, you see cryptocurrency and, and the whole FTX thing. And, and so wanting to understand a bigger picture of what, what are these issues? What are the, the, the problems? And then, of, and then I would say that the other one is around Finfluencers, which I think is a, another major area of concern, particularly for clients that might be looking or exposed to you know, social media or or where are you getting your sources of information if it's not getting it from your advisor? And, and an advisor can't be there in front of you at all times. And so if you are there and you're watching a, a video on something about you've got to get into this investment or that investment, that's an area of concern. So learning about Finfluencers and, and how you protect against that, another big area as well. 
So in the States here, you just hit on three things and we're going to dive into this a little bit more deep, but you just open a can of worms, <laughs> brother. So uh, the first one is we just had major SEC and FINRA regulation changes that a lot of advisors really need to get up to snuff on because there's a lot of misinformation out there on what those mean. And you need to rely on your continuing improved, continuing education to find out what those are. So there's number one. Number two, which we refer to as the fiduciary standard here in the States, right, which is making sure that you're always doing what's best for clients. But you said something that I really like, which is seeing the vulnerabilities in the areas of where they might be taken advantage of, not by the advisor per se, but having the advisor paying attention to it. That's really cool. But the last one is the one. So I have a whole presentation called Finfluencers is the new F word. Um, and the reason why that's the case is because if you're as an advisor, if you don't exist on social media, your competition does, right? It's just that simple. And we showed videos, uh, TikTok reels, TikTok videos uh, of all of these people giving horrible advice, John, horrible unregulated advice at that. And what do you need to do as a financial services professional to get in front of that? So how are you helping people through your educational system? Focus on that last one specifically. What what are you doing and how do you have conversations with advisors to help them overcome all of this negative influence? You know, I don't know that there's much that we can add to the advisor narrative about about what they can or should be doing. I, I think that they share the same kind of concern as, as anyone else would have. Look, content that passes off as as legitimate and exciting and coming from a subject matter expert or 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 someone in a position of influence, you know, I don't think there's there's a lot in the way that we can do to the advisor to say, look, you should be telling your clients not to watch YouTube or not to watch TikTok. It's a little bit more about reinforcing the, the message of, look, your clients are going to be exposed to all of this. So how do you look out for, or what are the ways that you can help guide your clients and let them know, look, this is where you're going to run into some red flags and where you should be mindful of. And, and I mean, the, the perfect and the obvious example, Matt, is Look, if you see someone who's touting returns and really promoting that, you, you know right off the bat that's someone who's who's operating in an unregulated environment. And so looking out for those red flags, I think, is going to be it. But the other thing, and I think that this is this speaks to a little bit of a longer-term strategy for Learnedly, which is we are designed for advisors, but our accessibility is for the general public, for the interested investor. And so it's a little bit like it's a little bit like Costco. Look, Costco is a it's a wholesale place. It's designed for wholesalers, but it's the retailers that that are there shopping. I shop there. I'm sure you do too. And you know, so they've they've made it very accessible to the retail public, although designed for wholesalers. And so for us, we look at Learnedly as this environment where look, we're creating a definitive resource for advisors but we're making it accessible for retail investors. So if they wanna know where advisors are going to get their information, their source information, they can participate in a place that's not expensive and, and not difficult to access. Now, that's a little bit of a side point, but as it relates to influencers, like it's a concerted effort and that's a, it's a big one. I mean, amongst the regulators, it's, a, it's amongst investors having their bullshit detectors on. And that's a that's a lot like fraud. That's a lot like cybersecurity. A big part of it is 
it's just having your radar on and just just being sensitive to what doesn't feel right or what what feels a little bit off. Uh, I'm a big fan of Costco. I always need the five gallon jar of mayonnaise. It's just one of those things that's absolutely fantastic. All right. So, so what are some of the big, as our, our, our listeners will, most of our listeners are consumers of continuing education, but I don't think they really realize the amount of work that has to go in to get something approved. And as weird as it sounds, that's actually fascinating to me. Like, I'd like to know a little bit about how you north of the border here, really, what do you have to do if an advisor wants to contribute to continuing education? Let's talk a little bit about that process. It is a challenge for sure. And it's, um, I think one of the challenges with the Canadian financial services industry is it's very fragmented. It's it's regulated at the provincial level, not the federal level. And so you're, you know, you're dealing with different provinces having different regulators, both for securities and for insurance. And every province has their own rules, their own regulations. I mean, there's there is a, a concerted effort to have some some harmonization for sure, but th- there are multiple different accreditation bodies that, that we have to navigate. If it was one or two, I think we could, it would certainly be a whole lot easier, but but it's not. So you have regulators. You have in Canada, we have the Mutual Fund Dealers Association and the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada, IROC, MFDA. These are self-regulatory organizations. They are about as close as you can get to a national body, although they're not the official securities regulators. They they each have their continuing education requirements that, that are in place, but let's stop into one and let's stop into the other to get accredited and uh, registered. Ironically enough, they're both actually coming together as a to to form one new self-regulatory organization, but we'll still be going to one to get it accredited and the other one to get it registered and, and paying the fees. So you've got that. You've got Quebec, which is it operates in many ways very, very distinct to the rest of Canada. And so it has its own requirements that for anyone who's in Quebec. You have to get registered there and accredited. But then the other one is is around insurance. So if you are an advisor in Canada, there's a good chance that you are dual licensed. You're licensed to offer and advise on securities, but also to offer and advise clients on insurance solutions as well. And so depending on which provinces you operate in, you're going to have continuing education. and, uh, and, And sometimes multiple provinces have uh, different accreditation bodies and requirements. And then on top of that, you've got the designations and credentials. So CFP, PFP, CIM, I mean, all, all of the alphabet soup of, of designations all have continuing education requirements, and they're not all the same. And so when we get a course accredited uh, right across the board, we're dealing with 15 different accreditation bodies or entities. And the challenge, of course, is that uh, I mean, we're it's the same course through and through, but we're having to navigate 15 different places with the exact same thing. And so it's just burden on burden, which ultimately really just means that it's it's less education available for the industry uh, or, or limited access for them. 
What about the banks, dude? Like uh, from a compliance standpoint, this is one of the big issues that we've had trying to break into the Canadian market. It's so many advisors are within banks and we know here in the States, banks won't let you say anything about anything anytime at all. So how do banks play a part into all of this continuing education conundrum that you're in? Yeah, I mean, in in the large part, banks are, banks do do a, a good job of supporting their employees and their advisors. I mean, if if I give credit to 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 anyone in in the industry, the the banks certainly do have a good budget for for training and ongoing education. But when it comes to continuing education, a lot of times that's left to the advisors themselves, the the individuals, to satisfy their own requirements. Maybe they get a budget, or maybe there's some sort of a reimbursement. But largely, it's it's left to 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 the individuals themselves to to satisfy that or or figure that out. So it, it is a bit of a challenge for sure. And the banks, the, I mean, the banks employ half of our entire industry. I mean, f- five or six banks have got half a million employees, and that that's our industry right there. So yeah, it's a it's a challenge. But large part, it's uh, left left to their own devices for continuing education. It's Matt here jumping in for just a second. Hey, if you want to go from being the seeker of clients to being sought after, then influence is your answer. It's the only marketing that's left today for advisors. But how much influence do you have right now? Well, to find out, take our free five-minute test and get a scorecard that reveals and ranks your level of influence. Just go to proudmouth.com to start. One of the things that we experience here in the States, and, and I experienced this when I was a life health and annuity license for many years, is the CE that I had to say was terrible, man. I mean, it was boring. I was kind of, you know, really half-assedly doing it, to be brutally honest. It was on like a second screen, and I was clicking just to make sure that it knew I was there. And I'd answer the questions, which were not rocket science, right? Like, should you try to sell your client something they can't afford? Oh, my God, you're asking me that question. So how can we change this, right? So part of what we want to be at Proudmouth is we truly want to be a disruptor in the industry, all in North America, actually really to be brutally honest and fully transparent in the world. Things that are established the way that they are aren't shouldn't be the way that they are. They should fundamentally be destroyed and rebuilt. When it comes to continuing education, how can we make it more attractive to advisors so that they want to continue to do this instead of because they have to do it? Yeah, it's a great question. I think first and foremost, it starts with if there's an accreditation process and there's a a fee for that accreditation, that that needs to be removed from the the equation. It's a conflict of interest. And let's just start with that. If Nonprofit, if the regulators are charging a fee per course accreditation, that 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 it doesn't enhance the quality of the education. The when we create courses, the regulators that we're thinking about or the entities that we're thinking about and wanting to ensure that that our standard is the highest, it's the regulators or the entities that that actually don't charge us anything for the courses. We've been set up with a privilege with them to self-accredit courses. And that is such, it is such a nice position to be in with, with those individuals that you just inherently want to create great content and never, ever jeopardize that self-accredited status. And it would be right for all the accreditation bodies to establish that same thing. Look, here in, in Canada, we've got 
125,000 registered uh, securities advisors. Now, not all have continuing education, but let's just say the most part uh, that they do, and now about 100,000 of them do. And you know, if they're doing 20 or 30 hours of continuing education per year, and you know, if you put $100 an hour, and I'm being conservative here in terms of what's the value of their of their time, you're starting to look at an economic impact that's somewhere 200 million, 300 million, 400 million dollars a year. And so if you're going to make continuing edu education, do it right and make it very efficient for these individuals. That's a huge, huge part of, of the economy when you're thinking about hours spent on them. And so to bring it all back of, well, how do you make it more relevant? How do you make it really great? Well, if course providers are not trying to build something to appease or satisfy all of these different regulatory bodies and applications and, and everything else, we can focus more on, on the course content itself. I mean, that, that's just the, the way it goes. And it's not the other way around. And right now in Canada, and I suspect it's the same for the United States, the largest course providers in our space are not educators. They are fund companies. That's true. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and you know, they've, they, the, and they get charged too. You know, I think if investors are ever wondering, well, why are your management expense ratios and, and fees so high? Well, a big part of it is that they spend a ton of money on course accreditation. So no fault for them to be in this space, but they certainly have an advantage when they are funded by the other revenue channels, like offering mutual funds or, or investments in, in general. It does create an unlevel playing field. And th that's okay. I don't mind, certainly welcome a lot of competition in the space. But what ends up happening is, is advantage goes to suboptimal content. If you're well-funded enough and you can then get it accredited across as many bodies as possible, advisors are, are looking for content, not that not content that is the best, but the most efficient. And so if, if you know that you can knock off your five or six or seven different CE requirements because a particular course has all of those accreditations, that's the most efficient way, not necessarily the best content. So that, that is where I think that there's a real uneven aspect to uh, continuing education and why advisors are not getting the best quality. They're just getting whatever is there in front of them and available. In just my limited experience of, sick being licensed for, I don't know, six to 10 years, I didn't get any value. I didn't really learn anything that was going to make me better at selling life, health, and insurity, you know, annuity products. So, okay. <clears throat> One of the other reasons why I wanted to have you on the show is because when we had talked previously, you had a couple of really good kind of calls to action for the audience to help them maybe from an advisor perspective, start trying to change the industry. Why don't we uh, kind of wrap up the show with some of those thoughts today? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, and look, Matt, let me just say, first and foremost, we're, we're an education provider. And, and here we are in many ways advocating not no education or less education, but certainly more efficient and thinking about ways in which advisors can be more efficient. And even if that means slimming down some of the education that that they have to do, you know, I'm a former advisor, so I understand, look, people are busy and that's not necessarily what they want to do. 
it's what they need to do in order to get back to business and keep serving their clients. And so in some ways it feels like we're, we're trying to sell ourselves short, but I think that also gives us the most amount of credibility to say, look, there's a problem in the industry and it needs to be addressed. So what can advisors do for first and foremost? Look, if they have two, three, four different continuing education requirements that they need to satisfy, it is worth spending a little bit of time to, to just figure out and coordinate what's what and how can I stack or how can I make it the most efficient? Advisors can also uh, just look and see, is it absolutely required that it is accredited by them or it is registered by them or that it be listed by them? I've noticed that uh, accreditation bodies aren't always so forthcoming with that information. If it is optional, they tend not to really state the obvious and say, look, it's optional. So yes, we charge course providers, but you don't have to take any of the courses that we have listed here. So it's worth advisors knowing, look, is that a requirement or is that just a nice thing to have? Because if it's a nice thing to have, you can open yourself up to a, a whole new world of, of uh, solutions that are not just listed there, which tend to be courses, traditional courses. But you could also be looking at things like mentoring. You could be looking at things like, of course, you, you can be talking to groups, whether it's new Canadians or, or uh, new Americans, people who are coming new to the industry and needing help students speaking, mentoring one-on-one -on -one or, or to groups. I mean, these are ways in which you can satisfy continuing education requirements if, if they allow it in your uh, respective environments without having to just, quote unquote, take a course to get it done. And look, let's face it. If you're taking a course to check off the box, it's perfunctory. It is something that you do not want to do. And that's the worst environment for actually learning something. You you learn best when you need to know something and you're seeking the answer. That's that's just the inherent nature of, of us as adults. And the worst time to learn is when you're forced to and you say, you have to do this. So continuing education in that environment is almost of no value. So if you can create value by teaching, educating, or being in an environment where you legitimately are learning something, I think that there is a defensible argument to say that should count towards continuing education rather than, yes, I've I've answered this skill testing question and I showed up for a pre-recorded webinar. One of the things I remember when I submitted my first course for a CFP CE here in the States, it was about how to communicate more effectively with your clients by learning how to listen, right? Which you would think, well, holy crap, if there's something they need to know is to shut the hell up and actually listen to what their clients are saying, couldn't get it approved. It wasn't one of the categories that they had said was important. And I'm thinking to myself, well, wait a second, it's so, so client service ethics. I mean, you know, all of these sorts of things. But I really hope that financial services professionals all across North America realize that they are actually they have an enormous amount of power and there are organizations that they can go to in order 
like your organization, where they can actually see what's out there and then talk to their regulators to make it so that those regulators realize that what is being offered is not actually as beneficial as it should be. Necessary to get up to date on regulations? Absolutely, all men, they should do that all day long. But when it comes to continuing education, helping you be a better advisor, if that's where the focus could be with education that is mandatory for licensed professionals to have, I think our world would be a much better place. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right, Matt. And look, I've yet to speak to an advisor who who said, look, I, I don't support continuing education. I don't believe it. I don't believe in its value. I, I've, I've yet to met a single indiv- individual who's who's said that or felt that way. But when it comes to the the hassle or the burden or or these loopholes and and all these requirements that go along with it, I mean, people are leaving the industry because it's just more than they care to handle. You know, we've talked to a number who said, look, I'm out. This was the last thing. And I, you know, I'm just, I'm so done with this. So what are we really doing as as an industry if we've gotten to a state where look, the burden is so great? And let's not let's not mince this with. You know, oftentimes I think I think it might be quick for a regulator or, or a body to say, well, look, people don't like the education and it's not that at all. Actually, people really quite enjoy the education, but they don't enjoy the administrative aspect that goes along with it. And it takes up a lot, lot of their time. And, you know, the other thing I think is worth mentioning is, look, if you are dual licensed and you do have multiple designations, I mean, it's worth understanding and and ensuring that you're not stacking on top of all of these. Make sure that it's more efficient, you know, that that you are, like if you've got 20 credit requirement, credit requirement, a 30 credit requirement, like you shouldn't stack that up into 75 or 100, figure out a way to make it more efficient. And that's, I think that's the big message to the regulators too, is to say, look, your most educated and your your most serviceable advisors in the industry are being burdened the most. And it's a disincentive for anyone to want to have more credentials, to be dual licensed. So it actually it goes, advantage goes to the least educated and the least licensed. Well, here in the States, there are people dropping licenses left and right for lots of reasons. And the educational requirement happens to be one of them. All right, John, if anybody wants to reach out and find out more about Learnedly, where should they go? Yeah, easiest thing to do is just come to our website, learnedly.com. And uh, we've got everything there. And yeah, yeah, check it out and be uh, great to have some people, even from the United States. And we've got 250 courses uh, on our platform right now and constantly growing. So north of the border, south of the border. You know, we're, we're building a universal solution for uh, for everyone. Fantastic. Well, John, listen, man, I wish you all of the luck in the great white north, my friend. Uh, I hope that uh, we can continue to apply pressure all over North America so that continuing education is actually of great value to the advisors so that they can provide even better services to their clients. So thanks for being on the show. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. So if you're looking for continuing education, go to learnedly.com. If you're looking for education on how to market yourself more effectively, go to the Pod Rocket Academy, uh, which is podrocketacademy.com, or just go to proudmouth.com and find out how you can sign up. So for John and Learnedly and all of us here at Proudmouth, this is Matt Halloran. We'll see you on the other side of the mic very soon. Thanks for listening to the Top Advisor Marketing Podcast brought to you by Proudmouth. If you want to know more about how you can be your own loud, visit us at proudmouth.com and sign up for the Pod Rocket Academy. 
through courses and office hours led by professional podcast producers and digital marketers, you will learn everything you need to know to become the trusted subject matter expert you were meant to be.